0: Hello and welcome to Leftist Reading, a podcast where I'm a leftist and I read things. Today we're continuing with our curriculum on Marxism-Leninism as we go through an introduction to the principles of Marxism and the history of it. As said in previous episodes, pretty significant amounts of this text are annotations that are added in translation and localization check the description of the episode for timestamps if some of them you don't need as much and you want to skip around a little bit. But let's jump in and start reading. The birth and development stage of Marxism Marx and Engels initiated the birth and development stage of Marxism from about 1842 to 43 through around 1847 to 48. Later, from 1849 to 95, Marxism was developed to be more thorough and comprehensive, but in this early period of birth and development, Marx and Engels engaged in practical activities. Marx and Engels were not just theorists, but also actively supported and participated with various revolutionary and working-class organizations, including the Chartists, the League of the Just, the Communist League, the International Workingmen's Association, etc. and studied a wide range of human thought from ancient times on through to their contemporaries in order to methodically reinforce, complement, and improve their ideas. Many famous works, such as The Economic and Philosophical Manuscripts, Marx in 1844, The Holy Family, Marx and Engels, 1845, Thesis on Feuerbach, Marx in 1845, the German ideology, Marx and Engels 1845-46, and so on, clearly showed that Marx and Engels inherited the quintessence see, annotation six, of the dialectical and materialist methods which they received from many predecessors. This philosophical heritage led to the development of the dialectical-materialist viewpoint and materialist dialectics. Annotation 21. There is a subtle but important distinction between dialectical materialism and material dialectics. This will be explained further in chapters 1 and 2 with works such as The Poverty of Philosophy by Marx in 1847 and The Manifesto of the Communist Party by Marx and Engels in 1848, Marxism was presented as a complete system of fundamental views with three theoretical component parts. Annotation 22. According to Lenin, the three component parts of Marxism, and by extension of Marxism-Leninism, are 1, the philosophy of Marxism, including dialectical materialism and historical materialism. 2. The political economy of Marxism, a system of knowledge and laws that define the production process and commodity exchange in human society. 3. Scientific socialism, the system of thought pertaining to the establishment of the communist social economy form. These are discussed in more detail in Chapter 2. In the book, The Poverty of Philosophy, Marx proposed the basic principles of dialectical materialism and scientific socialism and gave some initial thoughts about surplus value. The Manifesto of the Communist Party laid the first doctrinal foundation of communism. In this book, the philosophical basis was expressed through the organic unity between the economical viewpoint and socio-political viewpoint. Annotation 23. Scientific socialism is a series of socio-political economic theories intended to build socialism on a foundation of science within society's current material conditions. See Annotation 79. Scientific socialism is the topic of part 3 of the textbook from which this entire text has been translated, which we hope to translate in the future. The Manifesto of the Communist Party outlined the laws of movement in history, as well as the basic theory of socio-economic forms. Annotation 24. The laws of movement in history are the core principles of historical materialism, which is the topic of part 2 of the textbook from which this entire text has been translated, which we hope to translate in the future. Podcast note. We does not mean me. I have not translated this. Please go fund the efforts of the translation team that is in fact doing this. See the show notes for a link to where you can do that. The basic theory of socio-economic forms dictates that material production plays a decisive role in the existence and development of a society, and that the material production methods decide both the political and social consciousness of a society. Annotation 25. Social consciousness refers to the collective experience of consciousness shared by members of a society, including ideological, cultural, spiritual, and legal beliefs and ideas which are shared within that society. This is related to the concept of base and superstructure, which is discussed later in this chapter. The manifesto of the Communist Party also showed that for as long as classes have existed, The history of the development of human society is the history of class struggle. Through class struggle, the proletariat can liberate ourselves only if we simultaneously and forever liberate the whole of humanity. With these basic opinions, Marx and Engels founded historical materialism. By applying historical materialism to the comprehensive study of the capitalist production method, Marx made an important discovery. Separating workers from the ownership of the means of production through violence was the starting point of the establishment of the capitalist production method. Workers do not own the means of production to perform their labour activities for themselves, so in order to make income and survive, workers have to sell their labour to capitalists. Labour thus becomes a special commodity, and the sellers of labour become workers for labour buyers the proletariat and capitalist class, respectively. The value that workers create through their labour is higher than their wage, and this is how surplus value is formed. Importantly, this means that the surplus value belongs to people who own the means of production – the capitalists – instead of the workers who provide the labour. Annotation 26. Surplus value is equal to labour value the amount of value workers produce through labour minus wages paid to workers. Under capitalism, the surplus value is appropriated as profit by capitalists after the products which workers created are sold. So in discovering the origin of surplus value, Marx pointed out the exploitative nature of capitalism, because capitalists essentially steal surplus labour value from workers which is then transformed into profits though this exploitative nature is concealed by the money-commodity relationship. Annotation 27 Under capitalism, a worker's labour is a commodity which capitalists pay for with money in the form of wages. Workers never know how much of their labour value is being withheld by employers, which conceals the nature of capitalist wage theft. The theory of surplus value was deeply and comprehensively researched and presented in Kapital by Marx and Engels. This work not only paves the way to form a new political-economic theory system based on the working class's viewpoint, it also firmly consolidates and develops the historical-materialist viewpoint through the theory of socio-economic forms. Annotation 28 Karl Marx explained that the goal of writing Capital was to lay bare the economic law of motion of modern society. By laws of motion, Marx refers to the origins and motivations for change within human society. Historical materialism holds that human society develops based on internal and external relationships within and between aspects of society. Historical materialism is the topic of part two of the textbook from which this entire text has been translated, which hopes to be translated in the future. According to the theory of socio-economic forms, which is the basis of historical materialism, the movements and developments of human society are natural historical processes based on dialectical interactions between forces of production and relations of production, between infrastructure basis Commonly referred to as base in English, and superstructure. Annotation 29. The forces of production consist of the combination of means of production and workers within society. Under capitalism, the production force consists of the proletariat, working class, and means of production which are owned by the bourgeoisie, capitalist class. Marx viewed society as compound of an economic base and a social superstructure. The base of society includes the material relationships between humans and the means of productions, and the material processes which humans undertake to survive and transform our environment. The superstructure of society includes all components of society not directly relating to production such as media institutions, music, and art, as well as other cultural elements like religion, customs, moral standards, and everything else, which manifests primarily through conscious activity and social relations. In the preface to A Contribution to the Critique of Political Economy, Marx explained, In the social production of their life, men enter into definite relations that are indispensable and independent of their will. These relations of production correspond to a definite stage of development of their material forces of production. The sum total of these relations of production constitutes the economic structure of society. The real foundation, on which rises a legal and political superstructure, and to which correspond definite forms of social consciousness, the mode of production of material life determines the social, political, and intellectual life process in general. It is not the consciousness of men that determines their being, but, on the contrary, their social being that determines their consciousness. End quote. Figure 1.1 In other words, Marx argued that superstructure, which includes social consciousness, is shaped by the infrastructural basis, or base, of society. This reflects the more general dialectical relationship between matter and consciousness, in which the material, as well as the basis of reality, determines consciousness, while consciousness mutually impacts the material. See the relationship between matter and consciousness. So the base of society, being material in nature, determines the superstructure, while the superstructure impacts the base. It couldn't possibly be the other way around according to the dialectical materialist worldview because the primary driving forces of conscious activity are rooted in material needs the theory of socio-economic forms proves that the materialist viewpoint of history is not just a hypothesis, but a scientifically proven principle. Annotation 30. As Lenin explains in What the Friends of the People Are and How They Fight the Social Democrats, quote, Now, since the appearance of capital, the materialist conception of history is no longer a hypothesis but a scientifically proven proposition, and until we get some other attempt to give a scientific explanation of the functioning and development of some formation of society – formation of society, mind you, and not the way of life of some country or people – or even class, etc. – Another attempt just as capable of introducing order into the pertinent facts as materialism is, that is just as capable of presenting a living picture of a definite formation while giving it a strictly scientific explanation, until then, the materialist conception of history will be a synonym for social science. Materialism is not primarily a scientific conception of history but the only scientific conception of it." Capital is Marx's main work which presents Marxism as a social science by illuminating the inevitable processes of birth, development and decay of capitalism, the replacement of capitalism with socialism and the historical mission of the working class, the social force that can implement this replacement. Marx's materialist conception of history and proletarian revolution continued to be developed in Critique of Gotha Program, Marx 1875. This book discusses the dictatorship of the proletariat, the transitional period from capitalism to socialism, and phases of the communism-building process and several other premises. Together, these premises formed the scientific basis for Marx's Theoretical Guidance for the Future Revolutionary Activity of the Proletariat Annotation 31 When Marx refers to a dictatorship of the proletariat, he does not mean dictatorship to mean totalitarian or authoritarian. Rather here, dictatorship simply refers to a situation in which political power is held by the working class, which constitutes the vast majority of society. Dictatorship here refers to full control of the means of production and government. This stands in contrast to capitalism, which is a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, in which capitalists, a small minority of society, have full control of the means of production and government. The defending and developing stage of Marxism Historical background and the need for defending and developing Marxism. In the late 19th century and early 20th century, capitalism developed into a new stage, called imperialism. The dominant and exploitative nature of capitalism became increasingly obvious. Contradictions in capitalist societies became increasingly serious, especially the class struggles between the proletariat and capitalists. In many colonized countries, the resistance against imperialism created a unity between national liberation and proletarian revolution, uniting people in colonized countries with the working class in colonial countries. The core of such revolutionary struggles at this time was in Russia. The Russian proletariat and working class under the leadership of the Bolshevik party became the leader of the whole international revolutionary movement. During this time, both capitalist industry and natural sciences developed rapidly. Some natural scientists, especially physicists, lacked a grounding in materialist philosophical methodology and therefore fell into a viewpoint crisis. Idealist philosophers used this crisis to directly influence the perspective and activities of many revolutionary movements. Annotation 32 imperialism. Lenin defined imperialism as the monopoly stage of capitalism, listing its essential characteristics as finance capital serving a few very big monopolist banks merged with the capital of the monopolist associations of industrialists, and a colonial policy of monopolist possession of the territory of the world, which has been completely divided up subjective and empiricist idealism. In the late 19th century, natural scientists were exploring various philosophical bases for scientific inquiry. One Austrian physicist, Ernst Mach, attempted to build a philosophy of natural science based on the works of German-Swiss philosopher Richard Avenarius, known as imperiocriticism. Imperial criticism which came to be known as machism has many parallels with the philosophy of George Berkeley Berkeley 1685 to 1753 was an Anglo-irish philosopher whose main philosophical achievement was the formulation of a doctrine which he called immaterialism and which later came to be known as subjective idealism this doctrine was to be summed up by Berkeley's Maxim essay est. Percipi. To be is to be perceived. Subjective idealism holds that individuals can only directly perceive and know about physical objects through direct sense experience. Therefore, individuals are unable to obtain any real knowledge about abstract concepts, such as matter. The philosophy of empirio criticism, which was developed by Avenarius and Mach, also holds that the only reliable human knowledge we can hold comes from our sensations and experiences. Mach argued that the only source of knowledge is sense data and experience, but that we can't develop any actual knowledge of the actual external world. In other words, Mach's conception of imperial criticism holds all knowledge as essentially subjective in nature, and limited to, and by, human sense experience. Marx's development of empirio-criticism, which can also be referred to as Empirical Idealism, or Machism, was therefore a continuation of Berkeley's Subjective Idealism. Both Berkeley's Immaterialism and empirio-criticism are considered to be Subjective Idealism because these philosophies deny that the external world exists, or, otherwise assert, that it is unknowable and, as such, hold that all knowledge stems from experiences which are essentially subjective in nature. Mach argued that reality can only be defined by our sensual experiences of reality and that we can never concretely know anything about the objective external world due to the limitations of sense experience. This stands in direct contradiction to dialectical materialism which holds that we can develop accurate knowledge of the material world through observation and practice. Whereas Berkeley developed subjective idealist theological arguments to defend the Christian faith, Mach employed subjective idealism for purely secular purposes as a basis for scientific inquiry. Note all quotations below come from Lenin's book Materialism and Imperial criticism Vladimir Lenin strongly opposed imperial criticism, and by extension, machism, which was becoming popular among communist revolutionists in the late 19th century because it pushed forward idealist principles which directly opposed the core tenets of dialectical materialism. Lenin believed that revolutionaries should be guided not by idealism, but by dialectical materialism, he believed that imperial criticism and Machism consisted of mysticism, which would mislead political revolutionaries. Lenin outlined Machian arguments against materialism. Quote The materialists, we are told, recognize something unthinkable and unknowable, things in themselves, matter outside of experience and outside of our knowledge. See annotation 72 they lapse into genuine mysticism by admitting the existence of something beyond, something transcending the bounds of experience. When they say that matter, by acting upon our sense organs, produces sensations, the materialists take as their basis the unknown, nothingness. For do they not see themselves declare our sensations to be the only source of knowledge? Lenin argued that this new form of mockist subjective idealism was in fact simply a rehashing of old errors of idealism, disguised and dressed up with new terminology. As such, Lenin simply reiterated the long-standing bedrock dialectical materialist arguments against idealism he was especially upset that contemporary Marxists of his era were being swayed by Machist imperial criticism because he found it to be in direct conflict with dialectical materialism, writing, quote, These would-be Marxists try in every way to assure their readers that Machism is compatible with the historical materialism of Marx and Engels, end quote. Lenin goes on to describe the work of philosophers such as Franz Blay, who critiqued Marxism with mockist arguments as quote, quasi-scientific tomfoolery, decked out in the terminology of Avenarius. He saw imperial criticism as completely incompatible with communist revolution, since idealism had historically been used by the ruling class to deceive and control the lower classes. In particular, he believed that Marxist idealism was being used by the capitalist class to preach bourgeois economics, writing that, quote, the professors of economics are nothing but learned salesmen of the capitalist class, End quote. Lenin was deeply concerned that prominent Russian socialist philosophers were adopting Marxist ideas and claiming them to be compatible with Marxism, writing, quote, the task of Marxists in both cases is to be able to master and adapt the achievements of these salesmen and to be able to lop off their reactionary tendency, to pursue your own line and to combat the whole alignment of forces and classes hostile to us. And this is just what our Machians were unable to do. They slavishly followed the lead of the reactionary professorial philosophy. End quote. Lenin further explains how imperial criticism serves the interests of the capitalist class. The imperial criticists as a whole claim to be nonpartisan both in philosophy and in social science. They are neither for socialism nor for liberalism. They make no differentiation between the fundamental and irreconcilable trends of materialism and idealism in philosophy, but endeavor to rise above them. We have traced this tendency of Machism through a long series of problems of epistemology, and we ought not to be surprised when we encounter it in sociology." Quote. In the conclusion of the same text, Lenin explains why communists should reject imperial criticism and Marxism with four standpoints, summarized here. one. The theoretical foundations of imperial criticism can't withstand comparison with those of dialectical materialism. Imperial criticism differs little from older forms of idealism, and the tired old errors of idealism clash directly with Marxist dialectical materialism. As Lenin puts it, quote, only utter ignorance of the nature of philosophical materialism generally and the nature of Marx's and Engels's dialectical method can lead one to speak of combining imperial criticism and Marxism. End quote. Two, the philosophical foundations of imperial criticism are flawed. Quote, both Mach and Avenarius started with Kant, see Annotation 72, And leaving him, proceeded not towards materialism, but in the opposite direction, towards Hume and Berkeley. The whole school of Mach and Avenarius is moving more and more definitely towards idealism. 3. Machism is little more than a relatively obscure trend which has not been adopted by most scientists a reactionary and transitory infatuation as lenin puts it quote, "the vast majority of scientists both generally and in this special branch of science are invariably on the side of materialism" End quote. four empirio criticism and marxism reflect the quote, "tendencies and ideology of the antagonistic classes in modern society" End quote. Idealism represents the interests of the ruling class in modern society, and is used to subjugate the majority of society. Idealist philosophy stands fully armed, commands vast organizations, and steadily continues to exercise influence on the masses, turning the slightest vacillation in philosophical thought to its own advantage. In other words, idealism is used by the ruling class to manipulate our understanding of the world, as opposed to materialism, and especially dialectical materialism, which illuminates the true nature of reality, which would lead to the liberation of the working class. At this time, Marxism was widely disseminating through Russia, which challenged the social positions and benefits of capitalists. In reaction to Marxism, many ideological movements, such as empiricism, utilitarianism, revisionism, etc., see Appendix F, rose up and claimed to renew Marxism, while in fact they misrepresented and denied Marxism. In this context, new achievements of natural science needed to be analyzed and summarized in order to continue the authentic development of Marxist viewpoints and methodologies. Theoretical principles to fight against the misrepresentation of Marxism needed to be developed in order to bring Marxism into the new era. Vladimir Ilyich Lenin would fulfill this historical requirement with his theoretical developments. And that is going to do it for this week. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions, you can email leftistreading at gmail.com or contact the show on Twitter at leftistreading. Our intro and outro music is Decisions by Eric Medias. You can find it and more of his work on soundimage.org. This show is hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Network. You can go to AbnormalMapping.com to find this and lots of other leftist podcasts, and you can also support the network on Patreon.com AbnormalMapping. That is all for this week. Thank you for listening, and keep reading.